Let's all bow for a word of prayer. Oh, holy God, how thankful we are that your hands have been upon each and every one of us as we have traveled here today. We are thankful for the freedom and opportunity that you have provided each and every one of us to be gathered together here this evening and throughout this week. We're thankful for your word, which is alive and well and is so readily available to each and every one of us. Father, we are thankful that those of us who have been redeemed and cleansed every whit whole through the shed blood of your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, that we represent your body. And Lord, that we can live in hope this evening that you will instill within us your word, your instruction, that your spirit could have his way with us. To this end, we pray, lifting up most of all those hearts here this evening and within the viewing of this sermon who do not yet know the fullness of your forgiveness and grace. Father, we pray for the moving of your spirit and pray all of these things in his blessed name, Jesus Christ, the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. Amen. We have a tremendous theme before us this year at Eastern Camp. I'm excited. There is so much to be explored and to learn about what's often said in the Psalms of the beauty of holiness. And the Lord has really laid upon my heart a scope for this evening, the first service of this week, that we would simply be given a key that will unlock the door to the library of holiness. I anticipate, as a result of so many prayers, and much study and preparation, a week full of blessings. There are many books on the shelves in this library of holiness as, as we will explore it this week. But as God laid it upon my heart to start this week, something chances to stand in the way. At least something after my own experience. So we need a key to make sure we can unlock that door that grants entry into the library 
of the wealth of God's holiness as we would learn about it this week. What is that key? What is it that chances to stand in yours and my way? Perhaps I could simply tell you in five short words something that I've had to tell myself, I regret to say, many times throughout each and every day since God has laid this upon my heart for this evening. A very simple message that I need to remind myself of over and over again. And that is very simply, it is not about me. It is about Him. It is not about you. It is all about Him. You see, having that kind of a focus unlocks the door. Or to put it the other way, when we don't have that kind of a focus, and when it's all about me, and when my focus is right here, we will steer clear of holiness each and every time. The focus will be on self, and this self wants to gratify and please the flesh in a couple of different ways. The first and most obvious way would be those carnal lusts and carnal living. A life that's focused on itself is going to seek to gratify itself with those desires of the flesh. That those of us who have been baptized into the death of Christ and have crucified, ought to crucify those, that flesh with its affections and lusts. Carnal living is, an, is not holiness by any means. But there's another way that we, if we're focused on ourselves, can chance to, to completely miss the mark of holiness. And, and that is with much more discipline than someone who's freewheeling in lust. There's a lot more rigidity, there's discipline, and there's pride. And that is through legalism. And perhaps we can simply read it as Jesus said it best before we would get to uh, what will be the main text. But this second way to be focused on self, Jesus puts it very well, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. He says, Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, 
a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. A man for whom it was all about God. He saw the righteousness of God and saw himself filthy in God's sight and could not so much as lift his eyes up and pleaded for his mercy. And there was a man for whom it was all about himself. I did this and I did that and I thank you God that I'm not like these people. What a tragedy. Is that holiness? It's self-righteousness. It's denying the holiness of God. So I want to ask you to focus on your life lately. I want you to ask yourself the question, who is it all about? Those things that occupy your thoughts, your motives, your concerns, your endeavors, everything you do and why you do it. Who's it about? Is it all about him or is it all about me? We can go through the annals of time and remember one who swelled in his pride said, I will be like the Most High. And yet he was cast down to hell. Lucifer, how thou art fallen, which didst weaken the nations, who will then look upon you And say, is this the man? Cast to hell. It was all about him. And not long after, when man came and was created, the self-same Lucifer, in the form of a serpent, would come to Eve who had been given so much with her husband Adam, and yet he would come to her and say, it's all about you, Eve. Don't you get it? God knows the day you eat of this fruit, you're going to be like God's, knowing good and evil. And he wants to keep you right here under his thumb. You see, a life living for God is a boring one. And he wants to keep you right there. Don't you get it? It's all about you, Eve. She took a look. She saw it was good fruit. It's good to make one wise. God's trying to hold me back. And so she sinned. And Adam with her. Not long after, their son came. You see, God had already laid out that he wanted a blood sacrifice. The first animal that was killed was for their skins, for clothing. And so Abel brought 
the firstlings of his flock and made a blood sacrifice. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. We know this is God's nature and what he requires. But Cain brought of the fruit of the ground, and God had respect to Abel's and not unto Cain's. Was it all about God for Cain? Absolutely not. There was no remorse or response to say, Oh, God, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't realize this is what you require. Okay, I will barter with my brother, I will get something, and we'll make a blood sacrifice. I will provide what you want, God. It was all about him. He was angry because God didn't have respect to him. And in jealous rage, he killed his brother. Sin reigned in him. Anything but holiness. And so we need to know and always remember, and as we embark into this exciting week, that it's all about him. In a dual sense of the word, it's all about him in the sense of our focus, our motivations. What it is we do and why we do it, it's got to be all about him in that sense of the word. But there's another sense that it's all about him. And that's in the sheer actuality of it. You can't look at a speck of creation anywhere without seeing the glory of God. He created it all. And let's read about that as a basis for our text this evening. I'd like to read from Colossians chapter 1. And let's think a little bit about the sheer actuality that it's all about him. And beginning with verse 12 of Colossians 1, we read, "...giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness." And hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him, and for him he is before all things and by him all things consist and he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he might have the preeminence for it pleased the father that in him should all fullness dwell and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated, and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body 
of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. What an incredible picture of preeminence. It is all about him. Everything that was made was made by him and for him. And even when man fell in sin, being all about himself, focused on himself, it even gives us the reality that he went ahead and reconciled fallen man to himself by himself who was both the high priest and the offering how could it be about anybody else how can we see it to be about anyone else than the one who willingly laid his life down and cleansed his own church, the body, through his own shed blood. It is all about him. Whether you and I recognize that actuality or not, it is a truth that has always been and that will ring throughout the ages. It is all about him. Let us consider the life of this one as a human when God himself came. What can we glean and what can we see from that life and what did it show you and me about who it's all about and about how it is that we become partakers of God's holiness how it is that we are made holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Well, he gives pretty clear example. We can start when he was 12 years of age. Family packed up and left and he wasn't with them. We know the story. Came back later, finally find him in the temple. Reasoning with the doctors, with the lawyers who marveled at him but he would look at his mother and say how, how is it that you're looking for me don't you know that I need to be about my father's business I submit to you a 12 year old boy for whom it was all about himself would have found many a game or sport to play with his friends in the streets in the fields could have found many a distraction, but for him, it was all about him. Don't you know, I need to be about my father's business. There are places you can go to see castles, mansions, of renowned people in this world. You know what this one had to say? He said, foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. You see, there is no graceland of Jesus 
that you can go and tour and see all of the marble and all of the extravagant abode. He didn't lay up treasures for himself here below. He had work to do. And the meat he had was to do the will of his father. It was all about him. And as the moments would, would culminate in the garden, and these band of soldiers would come and say, Are you come out against me with swords and staves? You can see the scene. The one whom Judas kissed, that would be the one in the darkness that you might see and know that it was him to mark him. Oh, I imagine passions were flying. You see, he would have previously prayed with sweat drops of blood, saying, Father, it be your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Sweat drops of blood and agony. But it was all about him. And so the soldiers would come and, and Peter would succumb to the passion of the moment. He drew his sword and he cut the ear off of Malchus, the servant of the high priest. And Jesus, the master, turned to him and said, put up again thy sword into his place. He said, don't you know that I can now pray to my Father and He will presently give me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then will the Scriptures be fulfilled? Could you imagine the bloodbath, the slaughter, that 12 legions of angels could perform on mere mortal flesh and a just slaughter, I might add, indeed. But how then would the Scriptures be fulfilled? It's all about you, God. It's all about your plan. Not my will. But thine be done. Oh, what examples we have time and time again of a man for whom it was all about him. And we see holy living. And we see a life that was completely consecrated through his shed blood to yours and my salvation. What a beautiful picture. 
I can't tell you how many times I've had to say it to myself. It's not about you. It gets in the way. It's about Him. As you consider your own life this evening, what's it all about for you? Is it all about making those white picket fence dreams come true? You know, there's nothing wrong with, especially when it's God who blesses. We've all been blessed with prosperity in this time and place. God blessed patriarchs of old in spite of the wantonness of their those that they worked for, God would bless the fruit of, and, the, and the bearing of their cattle versus the flocks of their masters. Oh, we can see it over and over again how God blessed. There's nothing wrong with that. But is your focus to make sure that your dreams come true, whatever they might be? Or are you focused on moving the kingdom of God forward? Do you believe that God has put you where you are in a workplace, in a neighborhood, in a church? Do you believe that God has put you where you are to move His kingdom forward? Are you looking for how His hand is moving and how it is that you can be used by Him? Do you find yourself seeking after attention, wanting to be esteemed, wanting to be loved, appreciated by those around you? Do you find yourself in pursuit of that high esteem of those around you? Does that motivate what you do, how you do it? Are you looking for the praise of men? Are you depressed? Because it just doesn't seem like anybody thinks much of you. Let's read about what this great one, who actually said not to call himself great, said there is one great that is the Father. But let's read about him as Isaiah the prophet would say, he says, Who hath believed our report in 53? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. 
But he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. All about me. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. I can't help but break down at the contrast of the one upon whom all of our sins were laid. He was the one that we looked on and esteemed him not. Smitten of God, despising him putting him as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. How can that be? The one who came to give so much received so little. Think about that. The next time you don't feel that you're being held in high enough esteem. Who is it all about for you? Is it all about me? And what others think of me? And whether I'm being esteemed highly enough? Think about that. For some of us, I think we need to ask the question... How is it that you're defining holiness? Do you count? Do you compare? Do we slip and fall into the fallacy of that Pharisee and dare to pray to God thanking Him that we aren't like others? and spout off about how we do things so much better? Do we look at others and say, I do more than them? Look at how disheveled and undisciplined they are. They don't hold a candle to me. I do this and that and that and this. Look at all these good things I'm doing. We are warned that comparing ourselves among ourselves, we are not wise. Once again, who is it all about? Where's that focus? If we feel that somebody's struggling spiritually, that ought to strike sorrow in our hearts. We ought to be reaching out to them. We ought to be praying with them and being there for them, not sitting there looking down on them, thinking that we're in the center of holiness. If we're not careful, self creeps his way back in time and time and time again.
Who is it all about in your life? And to my friend, maybe it's your first year here this year. You're going to see how things go at camp. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I can assure you of one thing. You're not going to be very comfortable where you sit throughout the week. And that's a good thing. Because that means it's starting to become all about someone else instead of you. You're going to start feeling uncomfortable because you see the holiness of God. And you see yourself for who you are in His sight. It's not a pretty sight. It wasn't for me, and I know it wasn't for anyone that has come to the cross and found salvation in Christ. I think it's pretty clear for those of you that are not yet converted, the answer to the question of who is it all about as far as what your, where your focus is, that's a very clear answer, at least up to this point in time. It's been all about you. Full stop. Simple answer. But I'd like to go back and ask you the question again in the other sense of the word. As you consider the complexity of nature as you consider the complexity of everything around you, the beauty of creation, as you try to imagine how all these things could be, do you recognize the actuality that it's all about Him? That every good thing is a gift from heaven above. Do you realize that reality? And I want to leave you tonight with one other reality. If you stay focused on yourself, you won't, don't even bother thinking about holiness. You're going to miss Him altogether. In the time of your visitation, He who wept over Jerusalem because they missed it and how oft he would have gathered them as a hen doth gather her chicks and ye would not and they missed the time of their visitation if you stay focused on yourself you will utterly miss him the one that can give you eternal life and reconcile you to himself and present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. You will miss him. The one who can do that for you. But if you do focus on him this week, tonight, and you realize 
Not only is there a reality that it's all about Him, He's created everything, He's by Him everything consists. That's the reality, but even now my focus, it's all about You. Lord Jesus, have mercy upon me, a sinner. You know what you're going to learn? That He's really focused on you. Isn't that quite a twist and turn of things? If you focus on yourself, you miss Him entirely. When you focus on Him, what you're going to learn is that He's entirely focused on you. You're going to learn that He came and died for you. He took your sins upon Himself on Calvary's cross. And He wants what's best for you. You see, He's entirely focused on you and your well-being. That is the beauty of what you will learn if you would but turn your eyes upon Him and let Him reconcile you deliver you from the power of darkness and translate you into his kingdom redeeming you through his blood in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy unblameable and unreprovable in his sight amen let's arise for a prayer Holy, holy, holy God, Father which art in heaven, Lord, we don't know really what to say, because we could say this, that we've been convicted, or I know I have been convicted, Father, of the fact that we need to repent. Forgive us, Father, where we made things about ourselves. Father, we pray for forgiveness where it was about me, I, ego, or ego, perhaps in that translation. It was all about you. Father, we pray, not only was it, but it is always and always will be about you. Lord God, as we begin this week here at camp, what a great way to begin. Understanding that we don't invite you, we we use that terminology that we invite you in our presence, but really that is impossible, Father, as we will learn this week that You are already here. You are everywhere. And you are so lovingly and have so lovingly and graciously invited us to be part of this ministry and part of the family. Father, we pray that you would open up the hearts of those that have come here perhaps the first time, 
those that have been coming for many, many years, Lord. We pray for the power and the moving of the Holy Spirit, that each and every one of us here would be encouraged. Again, myself first, knowing with the bombardment at home, with the pressures of work and a family, and everything that bombards each and every one of us. Lord, we pray that we would set it aside and be rejuvenated and filled with your Spirit, filled with the manna from above, Lord God, you, Jesus. We pray for all those that will be teaching and preaching and wherever they have volunteered. Father, we pray that your word would go out in truth and simplicity. We pray, Father, as your word says, that those that have ears to hear, let them hear. We pray that ears would hear, that their hearts would be open to receive the gospel. And again, to make it all about you. For those that are traveling, we pray that you would continue to uh, um, give them a safe trip while they're here. We also pray, Lord, reminded right now, um, also for Sister Elsa. We pray, Lord, collectively for her who has volunteered and spent so much time and so much effort even when things were not the easiest for her. So, Lord, we uplift her as a body, the body of Christ, Lord, to give her strength and bless her for all her work. We thank you for all you have done, and we anticipate a blessing this week. We also pray, Father, that you would remove any strongholds, any attacks of the enemy that would love to see us um, be discouraged. Those that have been coming here or have come here with heavy hearts, who perhaps have a smile on their face but are really burdened with decisions, with anxieties, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, that you would lift it up this week, that there would be victory and revival. We pray this all in your Son, Jesus Christ's name.